0: Hey everyone, Dashian Miller here with our next episode of Kuden, the martial arts podcast for serious students or, I don't know, lurkers who tend to jump on our show. Anyway, um, <laughs> alright, so anyway, uh, something that I was told by teachers, uh, Hatsumi Sensei, master teachers, uh the ones that I trusted a lot, uh coming up through the ranks was... Uh, you will you will act in a situation the way you train. And it it seemed obvious, right? In the beginning, it seemed obvious, right? Of course, right? So if I train this way, that's the way it's going to come out, right? I'm going to be able to do my thing, right? Um, but over the years, uh, as I got more and more lessons, this became much more clear as to what they meant, right? So... Um, we're going to talk about one of these little training aspects along with this idea of natural and, and those kind of things um, as, we, uh, as we go through tonight's uh, episode. So I will talk to you in just a minute. So the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens, worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. And that's for real. Anyway, all right, so... um, what I want to do is I want to start this off a little bit. I know what I, I just said there about uh, what teachers said and all that, but um, I was going through, uh, for those of you who are watching on video, right, you can see this thing, right, I was going through uh, one of my many notebooks, uh, binders of these old newsletters that I uh, used to get from one of my teachers in the art. I've got a couple of other ones that have uh, newsletters that Sete put out, uh, Tetsuzan, Sanyaku, uh, some of these things, right, a whole bunch of resources. I've got a bunch of these things that have these magazine keeper kind of things in them that uh, I keep my collection of uh, articles that came out in magazines uh, along the way because they were all sources uh, of knowledge. But anyway, I, I was going through these things. Uh, just uh, part of it was nostalgia and part of it was um, just to see, um, I don't know, what I had in this one, right? It was just a lot of my stuff is in storage because of that fire that we had. Uh, but anyway, I found this on my desk and I was shifting some things around and, uh, I must have headed out for some research or something not too long ago. But anyway, uh, so this, this newsletter that one of my teachers put out a long, long time ago, right, had everything from, you know, there was a, there was a lesson in it. There's, a, in this particular one that I'm looking at, there's a photo sequence of a technique that he was, uh, conveying certain points about, uh, you know, if he was letting us know about some upcoming seminars, events, whatever. Uh, but there was this little snippet in here, right, that says from our readers, right, from our readers, and it was from somebody. Uh, this person was in Yakima, Washington. When was this? What was this issue. <laughs> now this was already Volume eighteen, Number nine, right? So we're looking at September, right? Um, 18, uh, volumes, right? Um, and so this was September of 94. Where were you in September of 94? Anyway, uh, so it's just this little snippet, this little letter kind of thing that was written in, uh, from somebody who subscribed to this newsletter and not everybody that subscribed trained. A lot of people just got things because they wanted, well, you'll see, right? So I'm going to read this, right? Uh, and again, the, this, uh, it was uh, uh, Shoshi Hayes. I'm not sure what he calls himself these days because I'm not directly connected with him anymore. Um, but th- that that's the reference, right? So I'm concerned about the trends. Uh, I'm, I'm concerned about the trend towards Stephen K. Hayes' study of the mind sciences and his Tendai Buddhist studies. I've noticed more and more of these articles and less ninpo-related stuff. I don't think Stephen should assume the readers are interested in these subjects. I read the Masubi Journal purely for Ninpo articles. And, um, of course, there was a response to that, that, uh, basically, I'm just very, very quickly, uh, summarize this thing that, um, uh, my teacher at the time, right, Shoshi Hayes, um, occasionally included these articles because he felt it was his duty to make sure that students got more than just, well, you know what, I'll, I'll just read it. It's, 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 a, it's a short kind of thing. Uh, Shoshin Hez occasionally includes articles on the ninja's Mikyo mind science because he feels it's his duty to provide the Western world with a martial art that is more than just a hobby of physical conditioning or technique memorization. Through his work as a personal security agent for world figures, he is extremely aware of how important it is to understand the motivation behind why people attack and fight others. It is Shinoshi Hayes' belief that the majority of martial arts today have allowed themselves to degenerate into little more than shallow recreational training in how to fantasize about hurting other people. He's committed to the highest ideals of the warrior arts. That is why he includes the Mikyo topics. Anyway, um that's why i do what i do and uh, uh you know i will just this down here uh james knows we uh, i have this discussion with my team uh, almost regularly about how uh you know folks uh, they make certain assumptions right they want to jump around and and uh focus on one aspect of the art and uh ignore others uh, you know we'll be talking about something maybe it's a technique or something like that and i'll make a reference to psychology or I'll make a reference to uh, why people do what they do or how the brain processes things or whatever, right? And as soon as that runs contrary to what somebody either wants to learn or believes is true or whatever, right? It, it moves into a realm that um, they're just not interested in, right? And of course, people can do whatever they want, right? But what they do is they just hang up, right? They, they click off, right? Like people are doing as they're listening to these things, right? Uh, Because I think a lot of people, uh, they they tune in. It's a need to -to podcast, right? So where the hell are the techniques, right? Why aren't you demonstrating something? Why can't I just, like, learn some freebie moves and and things like that? Well, it's because it's not the nature of Kuden, right? Kuden, by its very definition, is a teacher-to-student kind of transmission thing. So we're talking about things that are not easily demonstrated in techniques, or they're a part of everything, and so you know it's 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 not about the technique right it's about every technique, but it again it's about no technique at all right um, so that's that's where a lot of these topics come in now the whiteboard Wednesday stuff that I do that tends to take a look at at things more from a physical level um, but I think it's really really important to understand. What motivates people to do what they do? Especially when it comes to conflict, right? Um, martial arts, self-protection, all that stuff, right? What we're really talking about is the realm of conflict resolution, right? Uh, because, you know, in all honesty, most of us live in, in fairly, uh, peaceful, you know, uh, quiet areas. That doesn't mean that crime doesn't exist and that things might not happen. But a lot of us have taken it upon ourselves to, uh, make choices that put us in neighborhoods and towns and things like that where there aren't drive-bys and, and there aren't people attacking us on a regular basis, right? Are there places like that around the world? Yes. Uh, do, you know, some of our practitioners live in areas like that or are they exposed to violence, uh, more often than most? Yeah, of course, right? Not taking away from that, but, what we're looking at doing is going beyond just this fighter self defense martial artsy kind of idea right and the idea the premise well, one of the premises behind needed to is the more we can know about ourselves potential attackers environments and situations we could find ourselves in uh tools and and things that that could increase our advantage significantly right um the more we have a duty to to study those kind of things right so that little snippet from that reader right um uh, it just jumped off the page at me because there are a lot of people that you know that they, they don't they don't want to learn you know mental stuff they don't want to understand spiritual engagement connection kind of things with people they don't want to understand they don't want to go into a lot of these realms right just show me where my foot goes right just show me the next cool move so I can get back to fantasizing about hurting people, right? Um, I I don't want to hear anything about legal mumbo-jumbo, because, you know, as long as I'm right, then, you know, they can't possibly send me to jail for that. Well, unfortunately, uh, that's not true either, right? So, anyway. All right, so um, what I want to talk about during this episode is one of these things that... I encountered very, very early on. Again, for those of you who know me, I've been through a virtual encyclopedia of martial arts. I've trained in, in uh, Jeet Jikundo, which is the system that uh, Bruce Lee uh, had kind of created out of his um, uh, his earlier work uh, in certain styles of Kung Fu and, and things like that, right? Um, Wing Chun, uh, that kind of stuff, right? Uh, trained in uh, small circle Jiu-Jitsu, there's another form of it in there, right? There was some Aikido and Aiki uh, a couple of forms of karate, soft and hard, uh, Taekwondo, uh, uh, a couple of forms of Kung Fu, things like that. Just, I mean, a, a wide range of things, as well as other, you know, systems of self-defense that weren't really named, right? Training with this teacher, that teacher. Uh, again, if, if you know my backstory, you know that, uh, you know, my, my thing was, uh, I, I needed to develop a skill set uh, that would allow me to protect myself and other people against the kind of monster that, um, you know, I was raised by. And uh, at the same time, not ever, ever, ever feel that kind of fear again. But at the same time, as, as I was going through this journey, right, there were things about me that I had to learn, right? And I had to recognize That some of the things that I had going on in my head, right, were fantasizing about, right, taking on the bad guys and, you know, the lone ninja taking on the building full of uh, uh, mafia guys, right? So I'm going to take them on with swords and throwing stars, uh, you know, but they're armed with Uzis and shotguns and and crap like that, right? So uh, a lot of this stuff is really, really necessary, right, And, and coming to grips with it and really understanding um what's going on right the reality of the situation right but anyway um one of these concepts that really drew me to needed to was this idea of na- nature and naturalness and things like that not from a woo woo standpoint right um i've always been the the smaller guy i mean uh, as a military policeman in the united states army right um i got in on a waiver right because i was an inch and a half, give or take, uh, under the minimum height requirement, right? The height requirement was five, eight, uh, when I enlisted in the military. And so my backup was military intelligence, but I really wanted to do this thing with law enforcement and just as fate would have it, right? Uh, they were short on enlisted, uh, people in the military police. right? Less than non-commissioned officers and all that. So lower enlisted, right? And so in an attempt to get more people in, um, they, they waived the height requirement, right? So I was able to get in, but that also meant that, you know, I was going to have to deal with, with guys that were bigger, stronger, faster, right? Not to mention that, uh, 80% or better of the people that I, uh, encountered, right? On the bad side of things, right? Uh, being that I was dealing with military trained people, right? They're all trained killers, right? So, um, <laughs> I, I was not in a realm or, uh, in an environment or in a paradigm where anything was going to do, right? So, uh, in an attempt to, to, you know, kind of get as much as I could, uh, self-defense systems. Uh, when I first got to my, my one duty station, uh, after getting the <laughs> the laughable training in military police school, uh, just to get me through the school, right? It was just to get, the, get through the school, right? Uh, I, I knew that I needed to get other things, right? So uh, training in Taekwondo and training in Kung Fu and training in, in these different systems, um, but also recognizing that I was Bound by a use of force doctrine and a bunch of other things, right? So how do I how do I deal with a situation that I'm not only I could not only be outgunned, no pun intended, right, um, based on size and and skill set and intent and all that, but also be crippled by regulations and and Things like that. Right. So this became very, very attractive that the that system was more than just uh, it was more than just a style. It was more than just a, uh, you know, a bunch of cool moves and uh, strike first, strike hard mentality and things like that. Right. But there was this idea of, of nature and naturalness. And this is one of those words that get bandied around a lot. Right. Uh, in this martial art in, in the world, just like enlightenment warrior. Right? I mean, just everybody throws his shit around, right? Um, but it's, <laughs> it's easy to use the terms. It's easy to use the words. Not so easy to live to it, right? And, and this idea of nature and naturalness, right? There's lots of aspects to this, right? Lots of aspects to this, right? Um, but it's been my experience that most people tend to gravitate toward what that means within the context of executing a technique, which is one aspect, right? It's one aspect, right? So what's natural, what's natural for a human being, as opposed to a white crane, AKA white crane Kung Fu, right? Or Cobra style or tiger or whatever, right? What's natural for a human being? How does our body operate? Uh, You know, how, how does, uh, you know, the, how does a human being operate, right? So we can make sure that we're operating and using our body the way it's built to be strong while forcing him to operate in a way that forces him, uh, you know, forces his body into a weak, uh, kind of, uh, positioning, right? And that's how I neutralize, uh, differences, right? Otherwise, the guy who's got the bigger army, nature says it's gonna win, right? So again, how is it that if nature says that the bigger, stronger, uh, faster, whatever, predator, right, is, is supposed to win, right? Mike makes right, that kind of thing, right? Then how are we coming at it from the underdog's position, right? Well, there's a whole, whole, uh, kind of nature to that as well, right? But there's all these aspects, right? There's all these things. And what I was really, uh, really pulled in by, Right? Was this idea of, you know, the ninja operative or the ninja families being outnumbered, being outgunned, right? And having to discover the sciences, right? For how to meet that, how to neutralize it and how to still succeed, right? And that became a study in and of itself. Just, you know, learning these things. Not techniques. I mean, you can only learn so many techniques. I mean, well. You can learn a lot. You can spend your entire life trying to collect techniques or make variations or whatever, right? But what, what underlies all of these things, okay? So uh, one of these things that I was exposed to, right, by one of my teachers, when we started talking about surprise attacks was this idea of a perceptual gap, Right? It's almost like a stall that occurs, right? As your brain and your system are shifting from logical, rational, left brain, checking out the world, uh, you know, thinking about the grocery list of I'm picking of things I'm picking up uh from the store on the way home, because my wife sent me or called me. Well, way back in the day she would call have called me, but now maybe she texts me a list, hey, can you grab this on the way home? Whatever. So I'm running this thing in my head and and all that. And then next thing you know, I've either taken a shot already or there's this yelling, screaming banshee coming at me. Right. And my brain and my body go through this shift. Right. This 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 uh, shift in state. Right. From going from everything is fine. Right. Life is good to this fight, flight, freeze, adrenal response kind of thing. Right. And so I understood that, and, and everybody talks about it, right? Everybody talks about, well, you fight, flight, or freeze, and, and for some people don't even say freeze, right? Fight or flight, and you have to be able to operate this way and this way, and there's a lot of gum bouncing going on about it. But what's really going on, right? So what I wanted to do during this episode is, is discuss one of these little things, this perceptual gap, and how this perceptual gap Creates a need for two very important aspects of training that both are 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 uh, connected to this thing right and um I just had a thought that popped into my head oh uh hatsumi long long time ago uh, and a lot, of, a lot of you guys already know this right I ended up having to write an article about it um, i don't know that it ever made into into one of hatsmi's uh newsletters, but I took it upon myself to, to put it out there. Uh, I was in a, in a class in Japan and, uh, Asmite was talking about this, this reality thing, right. And how your brain does certain things and how your body does certain things. And he was, he was, he was teaching in a way that was kind of sending a, a cautionary message to, uh, especially upper-level students, right? So, you know, there's a lot of these things going on, and if you've never been in one of these situations, right, or that's not your – your, it's not part of your experience, right? You can train all you want. You can know as many techniques as you want, but you're still not prepared. No matter how much you believe that you're prepared, you're not prepared, right? So so it's it's in your best interest, and I highly recommend – Right. And this is the Japanese way of saying. Frickin do this. Right. Uh, Japanese teachers will always say, "Ah, oh, it's a good idea or I suggest or I recommend. That's the Japanese way of of communicating, because, you know, you typically don't do the whole forceful thing. Now, I've been lucky enough to uh, bump into a couple of Japanese master teachers that do it the Western way. Right. Um, within the confines of the dojo. But the typical thing is making a suggestion. You're supposed to know as a student that that suggestion is a command. It's an instruction. Okay. Westerners tend to not do that. Right. If somebody suggests, well, then I can do whatever I want. I can pick and choose. Right. Japanese mindset is if the teacher suggests I'm a student, that's, it's not really a suggestion. Right. It's, that's, that's a part of what they call obligatory speech. Right. Uh, Because it would be brash. It would be rude to tell you to do this thing, right? So things are communicated very subtly, right? If you've ever seen the movie uh, The Last Samurai with um, Tom Cruise, there's a scene in that toward the end, three-quarters of the way, maybe toward the end of the movie, uh, where he's uh, he has long since met this journalist, this Western journalist that's there. Uh, who's been studying Japanese culture, writing articles. I don't know if he's writing a book or whatever, right? And he tells him how lucky he is, right, that you've been here for so long and, you know, you know so much about the culture, right, that, uh, you know, it must be very, very easy for you. And the journalist says, you know what the the, the the most important thing I've learned living here this long, right, that you know what the biggest skill is that I've developed? It's the ability to translate other people's lies. Right. Because it's, just, it's just a huge thing. Right. And that's something that, you know, maybe we should make as a as a as a topic as well, because um, there's just layers and layers of of uh, bullshit. We'll just call it bullshit. Right. Bullshit on top of bullshit on top of bullshit. Right. And we get away with it because we're taught from childhood up, not as much as the Japanese, but we're taught from childhood up, you know, to. um you know, don't stare. Do things this way, right? You're taught not to lie, but then you're taught all these ways to not be authentic, right? And then you encounter teachings like this, and then <laughs> what? And then what? Anyway, so uh, but the, the the lesson was that he um, didn't care how many techniques these senior students knew. You know, if you've never been in a situation, you need to seek out people who have actually been in a life-threatening situation. You need to find other teachers, other students, right? Even if they're a white belt, right? They may not know all the techniques that you know. They may not know how to do, you know, seon, tangeki. They may not know how to do, or the difference between a Sagon se, uh, from koutoryu and a kata no kamai from kukishin. They may not know any of these things. But what they do know and what you need to heed is these people will tell you, they may not be able to tell you this kata from that kata, but they will be able to tell you what the hell you better be paying attention to, right, and how you better be training. Right. And of course, you know, the higher in belt level somebody goes, the more indignant they get when somebody of a lower level, uh, suggests that they do something. Right. Um, but, you know, some of us have gotten to where we are, not just because we've earned black belt levels and because we've uh, learned certain kata or, Details or interesting tidbits from this lineage or that lineage, or uh, Hatsumi Sensei's, you know, has taught this, or uh, Nagato Sensei has taught this, or whatever. Right? Um, we've gotten here because of experience, right? Both before we got involved in the training, and actually using these skills against bad people, right? And so. Uh, maybe maybe I'm foolish. Maybe um, maybe I'm doing this all wrong. But when Hutzmeister has suggested that certain things be studied, right? Um, or when my teachers have said, you know, certain things about, uh, you know, uh, things that there are no techniques, right? There, this is not about techniques. This is like our um, for those of you who train with me, uh, Stan and, and James and. A bunch of you guys that, that train with me, right? You'll hear me say this a lot in the dojo, right? We're working on this training drill, right? There's one that I'm thinking of from, from our, our module two, right? Um, this is a drill, right? This is not a self defense technique, but it has everything to do with self defense. You're going to hear that a lot, okay? So these mental things that we're talking about, right? They're not self defense techniques, right? So they're not very entertaining, right? They don't play into the fantasy world of people who just, for whatever reason, right? They've got low self-esteem or they've got a grudge or they've got some kind of vendetta or whatever, right? Um, It it doesn't help them fantasize about beating the shit out of somebody or killing them easier or storming the the, the mafia-laden lair or whatever. It it doesn't help with that, right? Um, It actually becomes more of a burden because you have to, you have to dive into realms that you may not feel comfortable in, right? You may have to learn things that you never thought was ever going to be a part of self-defense or martial arts training, right? And so here's this thing, right? There's this, there's this perceptual gap, right? Um, I remember this thing coming up, uh, in my, in my guise, my alter ego, right, as a, as a workplace violence consultant, uh, I was doing a presentation at a, uh, at a medical center for one of their, uh, employee education kind of things, right? And I, uh, was sharing time with a, uh, a neurosurgeon, right? Uh, we both had this, with, we were in the same, <laughs> it was the same topic, but from two completely different angles, right? So this surgeon was actually on uh an emergency team for workplace violence kind of things. So if there was an action active shooter incident and all that, um he was uh on a on an emergency extraction team where he was one of many medical people that were taught the military tactics or the 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 uh the rescue tactics that the law enforcement team would use to move in, right? So they're they're clearing, they're making sure that they, you know, uh, they're watching out for the and, uh handling active threats and all that. But meanwhile, in the middle of this triangle formation, you've got an EMT, you've got, in this case, right, this doctor, surgeon, whatever. Um, you've got this medical person who's not there for combat, right? The team is like a bodyguard team moving through, right, actively handling things. But the medical person is being protected so that as they come upon an injured person, a body, whatever, right? Um, they they can do what they need to do, right? To triage somebody or to uh, administer uh, first aid, whatever, right? Uh, and then in, in each instance, they decide whether or not they're going to extricate the person or they're going to clear that area, mark it, they radio for a, a secondary team to come in move, you know, move that person out or treat them on scene or whatever, right? So his, his first half of the presentation was in this external kind of thing, right? Active situation, you've got injured people, whatever, right? It's, it's a reactive kind of thing, right? My focus, my specialty is in being proactive and being periactive. What that means is acting in the moment, right? Which is what we all train for. So when it was my turn, Uh, I got up there and I presented, you know, this this uh, introductory information. And then I started teaching a couple of simple things that they could do on the job, right? Nurses, doctors, whatever. Uh, So they could do their job, but that they could just make little tweaks to what they were doing to make it more difficult for a person who was agitated or who suddenly became violent To make it harder for them to get at them right which would give them an extra half second three seconds whatever right to start to respond and so one of the things i was teaching was this this space right initial safe distance right uh there's a name for it out of the scrolls i haven't memorized it um but it's this initial kind of thing right it's it's a huge part of our module one training uh for beginners right um for those of you who do know certain Japanese terminology or whatever. It's how you establish the kukon, right? And understand it, right? Uh, as an initial safe distance, right? And you try to control that, maintain it right on the edge of it, that kind of thing, right? But what we're doing is we're positioning the person just outside of it, right? And the way it normally works out is you're creating a distance where it's going to take, the, and this is what I'm teaching these people, right? It's going to take a step and a half or a step and a quarter based on the aggressor's natural gait, right? Their step, right? Um, a step and a quarter to a step and a half, right? So they're well outside just being able to step and and hit you, right? Most of us, if you're doing the classical uh, stuff with the ski, the right, um, that's a full step, right? So we're doing just a little bit more. Or about the same distance, because you guys are t- learning to, to to punch from a sagon which is more than the average person uh, normally would be positioned to step. So for the average person, that's about a step and a quarter, step and a half, right? And so I said this is really, really important because we need to neutralize um, their ability to, to attack us out of nowhere, right? This uh, This idea of it came out of nowhere, right? There's this perceptual gap. And uh this, this um, you know, it, t- it takes a little, give or take about a quarter of a second, a little less than a quarter of a second for input to come through our sensory gateways, right? Eyes, ears, whatever, get processed in the brain, and then the brain be able to send messages to muscles to start to engage to do things, right? Uh, there's this, we're a little bit behind, right? And this doctor had spoken up and said this was really, really important. You guys all went to medical school for this stuff, but this is important, right? You learned it from one perspective. He's showing it from something else. We human beings live about a quarter of a second in the past, right? So again, for most people who think that this is bullshit, right, um, they have no idea how deep the rabbit hole goes and how your training has to fit reality. It has to fit nature. What's natural, right? So we live, again, we live about a quarter of a second, give or take, in the past, depending on the brain processor you've developed, right? And and what kind of other outside of martial skills you've done to make the processor work the best it can, right? So... Uh, he made it a point to talk about this stuff, and what I was pointing out was working with this idea so that this person couldn't just get the jump on me, right? So where I'm going with this is this perceptual gap, right? When you're surprised, or it's not even the surprise thing, it's just the normal processing, right? Your eyes are always on. Well, how is it that we can't see something until later down the line, like when somebody punches, Right, the average punch from the time it starts the hand, from the time the hand starts moving until the time it hits its target, is about 200 milliseconds. So just under a quarter of a second. Okay, it's pretty damn fast. Okay, well this perceptual gap that we have, even if you're not surprised, somebody standing right in front of you, by the time you see the fist moving, it's two thirds to three quarters of its way on its way to hitting you. Right. So. And that's that's best. That's best. <laughs> that's best case scenario. Right. Um Which is why we control the distance. Right. And we don't screw around with that. You learn about these things because you need to neutralize the perceptual gap. Right. You, that's why we don't stand at jab distance. Right. That's why we don't jab. Because for us to jab them, we have to stand at jab distance so he could uh, see there's there's all this stuff. Right. So, again, but there's this perceptual gap, right? Same thing when we're startled, right? There's this shift. Left brain takes a little bit of a vacation, and our body does whatever's in subconscious storehouse, whatever, whatever's in the subconscious system, right, in muscle memory. That's what happens. Flinch response, call it whatever you want, right? Um, so these things are important to understand, okay, because if we understand them, then we can tailor our training To make sure that we're doing certain things and we're engaging in certain types of training that work with them and allow us to be able to operate when this thing is happening, right? When this natural thing is happening, right? And no amount of left brain memorized step-by-step kata is going to get you there. Well, I take that back. It'll get you there maybe, maybe. 20, 30%? 20, 30%? Because rote memorization of things, right? Do it long enough, right? And, you know, that becomes your new flinch response. Well, that's great, right? But is it intentional or is it accidental? And again, I read that little thing there that the guy didn't like the idea that, that, uh, Shoshi Hayes, uh, it was a Shidoshi then, right? Shoshi Hayes was, uh, inserting these Mikyo, mind science, uh, articles, um, because he only wanted to learn physical moves. He only wanted to learn the ninpo stuff. Only wanted to learn the ninja stuff. Uh, this is ninja stuff, right? Because if we don't know that it's operating, if we don't know that it's happening, it can bite us in the ass. If we don't know that some, we have some faculty that we can use or that, that can serve us, we can't use it as a tool, right? It, it, as long as it remains in the realm of the unknown unknown until we shift it to the realm of the known, we don't have any choice. Okay. As soon as we move something to the realm of the known, then what we have is we either know that we know it or we know that we don't know it. Right. But it's in my realm of, of, I know that that exists. I know that there's this Hungarian language on the planet. I have a choice now. I can choose to learn it or I can choose to leave it alone. Right. But I know that it exists. If I don't know that it exists, Right? If I don't know about this perceptual gap or this, whether it's the, the, uh, sensory input to processing to motor activity, if I don't know that it exists, I don't have, and I don't have to know it from its science kind of thing. So don't worry about it. I'm not sending you back to school. I'm not going to get you all like sweaty in your freaking palms and you know, whatever, right? It's not about that kind of thing, but just knowing that it exists right, should bring up the question, well, shit, what do I do? Because there's going to be this microsecond of a blank out. Well, for some people, it's not a microsecond. For some people, it could be minutes. For some people, I was just talking to one of my students um, who's come a long way since I met her, um, but there was a lot of trauma from her past, right? A lot of trauma, right? So, this gap, when scary things happen when things i'm going to use a word that she she's a brain scientist right so she doesn't like this word either right because triggered means that you're firing a certain part of some system some mechanisms in your system right but social agenda right has made it into like somebody attacked you kind of thing right and it could just be the somebody in the same room that you're standing in that has a difference of opinion, but we're going to call that triggering. And these people want to be warriors. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Right? So, uh, like, we were talking about this, and, and before we, you know, ran through different types of training, different types of uh, exercises, and, uh, training drills, and I don't mean like, you know, Sagan and those kind of things. I'm talking about uh, meditation, observation, visualization, uh, all kinds of self-study kind of stuff, right? One of these gaps could last not just for minutes, not just for hours, but days. She admitted that some of them, certain types of things, could last for months. That would actually cause a debilitating uh, effect on her that she couldn't operate, not even to the best of her ability, but even a quarter to half, right, for months, right? So there's all these all these things going on. But what I want to talk about is this, this gap, right? So here's the thing, right? Our training, and this is stuff that I got from other teachers and I had to pursue it on my own, right? The, the seed gets tossed out and you decide what you're going to do with it, right? So when it comes to this perceptual gap, your training there there's two primary things that your training has to do with this gap, right? One is to make that gap as small as possible. This blip where your left brain takes a vacation, right? And you can't think clearly, right? You're you're on autopilot, you're you know, flinch response, that kind of thing, right? You're training, and there's no technique that you have. There's no there's no kata on a scroll that has this. As a matter of fact, most of this stuff, it might be hinted at or alluded to because there's a suggestion somewhere along the line, but they didn't have this kind of science, the brain science, to describe this stuff back in the day, right? What they did was threw you to the frickin' wolves. They would put you into a freaking, you know, a training situation or whatever so that you would develop it, but they had no way of explaining it. They just knew that you had to you had to be able to do this thing, right? So, we have to make the gap as small as possible. Okay? That's the good news is is there's things that you can do to make it as small as possible. The bad news is is you can't make it go away, right? And again, I was just talking with her the other day and there there are still these little things that pop up, right? They don't last nearly as long as they used to. Um uh, very, very short, right? But they're still minutes, hours, whatever, right? And I said, you know, you're we're back to that perceptual gap thing. We're right back to that little thing, right? Where your body's your your brain is doing this habitual program. It's running this program that was a defensive mechanism, that was whatever from back in the day and we've made it smaller but it's still you know somebody if somebody were to do something to trigger that response from you as their as their first attack knowing that you're going to shut down or you're going to be in a fog or you're going to need to go through your escapism or whatever that's what they do right that's the jab that sets you up for the this big thing that they're going to do to you right and i said you know We're going to keep working at this because we want to make that gap as small as possible, but you're never going to make it go away, right? And in true form, her pouty lip came out, right, because she she wanted to make it go away, right? Well, we all want to make shit go away, right? We want to wave a magic wand, wish on a birthday cake, blow out some candles, and have whatever we want without the work, right? It's what ego wants, okay? But the reality is that ain't happening, right? So the first thing is we have to we have to recognize that this thing is going on, right? So then we can start to do things. In our dojo we we have training drills and and things like that, right? That make this gap as small as possible. Right? And we're talking about getting it down to that 200 250 millisecond maximum gap that is natural, right? It's just natural, right? That's that's the first part. We want to make it as small as possible. And then the other thing our training should be doing is putting in responses, getting responses into muscle memory. And this is really about Kamae training, okay, Kamae and evasion. Getting that so into muscle memory that that becomes your flinch response in that quarter of a second when the left brain switches off and then uh, when it comes back. Okay. We need an automatic response to whatever's coming at us so that it's not just, just shut the eyes, you know, have a, have a micro prayer or whatever. Um, meanwhile, shit's coming in, right? So that's what Kamai are for, right? So that when, when this thing happens, when the jump is on, whatever, Okay uh, And again, this is like punches from in front or whatever, right th- this is the thing that we do, right? The body does a certain thing the the core muscles fire the the hips pull back, right the weight shifts uh, or or whatever, right what, whichever direction we're moving, but the the hota fires and we're, and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, we shouldn't have to think about it. okay the number of people that I've heard that have significant numbers behind the black around their waist that have admitted that if they can't start with xyz technique i don't care if it's ichimon's no Kata, whatever right if they can't start that way they're lost but the number of techniques that they can demonstrate during a demonstration during class whatever flawlessly right is this just this huge contradiction right we can do all these things as long as we're thinking clearly. But in the moment when explosion occurs and the left brain takes a vacation, we don't know what to do. Okay. The reality is that we're trying to get all this stuff into experiential, uh, uh, what do you call this, um, Tactile response, right? It should all be subconscious, unconscious kind of stuff, right? To where we can operate based on feel, we can operate based on intuitive sense, those kind of things, right? Well, that's all right brain stuff. So the training does use the left brain to control the training process to put everything over in the right brain where it belongs. Okay, it's like bringing you know the guy, the workers that load and unload the truck. Bring the truck to the warehouse, unload all the stuff. Then there's some other guys that, that mount all the machines and all that. So when you flip the switch, the machine does what it's supposed to do and it does it without you doing anything more than just watching to make sure that it's, it's, it's doing its thing, right? So it's very different, right? So the first thing is, first side of training is to get that gap, that surprise shit, whatever, right? That, that, that perceptual gap as small as possible. Again, you're probably not going to get it smaller than 200 milliseconds, give or take, right? Um, but you don't need it smaller than that because the other part of the training is what to do before and during the gap. So, if I have the wherewithal, i'm gonna position myself so that it takes him more than that gap to get to me, okay that way, I can see it coming right and then i can I can move right I don't wanna stand within inside that gap because he's gonna hit me before I can ever perceive it, and then I'm screwed right People that do soft training and and only slow training are never ever gonna get this idea because the, the type of timing that we're looking at right is all hardwired it's not left brain watch it watch it watch it now move it's not that right so there's that and then there's this other training it's just rote just training the the core fundamentals that we need to come out um uh, here's an here's an example in our module one in our in our beginner training. Uh, this is even before ninth Q, right? For those of you guys that only do the cue kind of things, right? Um, we have a rear arm choke that beginner students learn a defense for, right? And so with this rear arm choke molars go together, right? So your jaw doesn't get you know knocked all over the place, right? And the jaw, the uh, the the mandible, right, is dropped to protect the the windpipe right so we can protect uh airway and kind of close off or uh, and protect the uh the blood supply to and from the brain right so we we it's it's against a Sengaku-jime or one of these cross arm choke kind of things right it's to drop it down so that that protects that right and then they can work on the escape but you only have 7 to 11 seconds based on how good your system is, right, to handle a choke before, well, I probably have less than seven, right, probably five to eight seconds before things start to get all fuzzy and weird and that black curtain starts to kind of close in uh, and then you can't do anything, right? So that's that's not just a part of the move, right? It's an important piece, right? So that needs to be trained until it's a flinch reflex, right? And it is normally, but it's not just that. It's also perception, right? Perception of you know, things out of the, the um, peripheral vision. It's feeling of movement and, and things like that around us. The better we get with that, the more you know the body's going to do its thing, right? As opposed to we hear a, a, a ruffle or we feel something coming across our shoulder and we go to look at it, right? Not cool. Right. So we need to drill that until that molars coming together and jaw dropping, shoulders lifting if we need to, becomes automatic. It's the thing that gets done. Right. So in the moment when we're not left brain thinking, the thing that we want or need to be happening happens. Okay, Two sides to the training. Right. This this. Class is not about that, right? Um, we are going to be touching on this stuff during uh, our spring camp, which is coming up next month. Because, um, again, it's one of these psychological kind of things. It's it's really, really important, right? But we're not going to get to that if we're not doing more than memorizing the dance moves, right? I need to learn this kata. Now I need to learn this kata. Now I need to learn this kata. Okay, but at what point are we going to take the time to integrate, so I own not just the kata, but the individual pieces that are important, right? It's one thing to be able to have a flinch response where you go to something that's come I like and something altogether different to where that arm goes out in a way that bunts or deflects that incoming arm, right? Um, Otherwise, it the the joke we used to have when I was coming up in, in the training was to watch some people in a sparring match or whatever. I, I know they're doing their moves. I know they're they're trying to punch the other guy. They're trying to kick the other guy. They're trying to grab him or whatever. But what it looks like is two five-year-olds in a sandbox slap fighting. The joke we used to have in the dojo is you either get the training right, or your your defense is going to look like this. Right, for those of you who are uh, watching or listening audio wise you you miss the <laughs> you can't see the whole thing right um, but I basically just closed my eyes and pulled my head back and just slapped at the air out in front, but you know the upside is that the other guy's probably doing the same thing, so then you're you know hoping for the best so but anyway that's I, I want to take a look at this this thing that just really it, this is one of those things that drew me to the training, right? Because the training didn't involve just learning moves, right? And and it wasn't just this presumption that if I can kick faster, hit harder, throw better, or have trickier moves or whatever, um, then then, you know, life is golden, right? That there were these realities about the way the human being is wired mentally, physiologically, that kind of thing, right? And so how do we use those things if they're usable as tools? How do we hone them so we can use them to give ourselves the greatest advantage? And if we can't use it as a tool, if it really is a limitation, how do we work with that or train in a way to minimize the limitation to the greatest degree possible? And Put some things in place so that when that limitation occurs, we're doing something as a as a reflex. Our new habit, our new instinctive response gives us at least a holding place while that's happening. Does that make sense? Uh, James, you're on. Uh, James is uh on he's actually like breathing better this week uh but that, but that should mean that his brain function is better this week um i saw him last week and i thought he was like either on the on the way to the to the uh morgue or the way to i don't know killing somebody or whatever so um but anyway james is on uh and so he's watching everybody's comments and stuff so uh let's just let's at this point let's just open kind of things up because i'm th- this is not the, the this is not the venue or the format for me to, um, you know, demonstrate these different things. Because by and large, most people that are engaging with Kuden are listening in on, like, Apple Podcasts and all that, right? Um, Us doing this as a video thing is actually fairly new. Um, When did we start the video thing? Was that episode 68? I think. I think everything was audio only before that, so... But James strips stuff out because he's good at stripping um, anyway he strips stuff out right <laughs> to get the stuff uploaded onto stitcher radio and stuff like that all right so anyway <laughs> ah all right so um <laughs> any any questions comments other than the highs and all that kind of stuff who's on who's on james who's on i I keep seeing the numbers go up and down as people are. Signing on or jumping off, or I'm gonna I'm gonna not feel bad about you know myself. This is not a validation thing, right? We're just gonna assume that that they lost their internet connection um, and they weren't just uh, under impressed because I wasn't showing them some kind of tricky killer ninja move. How about if I make sure that you can speak? How about that? Hey, look, it's James. James is actually way taller than me, but you couldn't tell by what looking at your screen. Anyway, (laughs) who's on? Is Jimmy on? Is Jen on? Are are our regulars on?
1: Actually, the only person that's commented so far is Shane. Shane? Shane.
0: Like my guy from California, Shane. Yes. Oh, awesome. Hey, Shane. He, what was the comment? Just a hey.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Hello, actually. Hello back. <laughs>
0: anyway, uh, I I know some of this stuff is kind of kind of odd and all that, but um, uh, this, this is uh, here's another uh-huh. one of those comments that I've heard over the years, not just from students who left the dojo, moved to some other part of the country or world or whatever, went searching around and everything. And then I get this phone call or an email or whatever, and somewhere in it they say, you ruined me, right? I found a place that I can train, but they're not covering things the same way or whatever, right? But one of the other most common things that I hear, um, and this is not just a me thing, right? This this speaks to the teachers that I've had, whether it's Nagato uh, Shihan from, well, uh, Soke, right, uh, from Japan or Sen- Seno-sensei or Hazumi-sensei or... Uh, such so a haze Hayes or Malmstrom or Hobend or whatever, right? Uh, combat seasoned people or like really deep level masters. Um, it speaks to them, right? Because, you know, I wouldn't have had lessons to pursue had it not been for them. So this is not like, you know, they just throwing a bunch of shit together and, and trying to come up smelling like roses. Um, so what I'm going to say that people s- tell me Is the same reason that I train with these other people, right? So it doesn't matter if it's a rape defense seminar that I'm doing, or it's a workplace violence training, or um, I'm sitting in with a CEO, COO, whatever, and we're we're going over strategy for training security, you know, whatever it is, right? One of the most one of the most common comments I get is nobody nobody talks this way, nobody explains it. This way. And I always just double check because it's a locator question for their head. And I go, is, is, is that a bad thing? And they go, no, 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 it makes perfect sense. And it's why we have holes where we have, but nobody talks like this, right? We've, we've, you know, we have, we've gone to all the, all these trainings and all that kind of stuff and, and nobody talks like this, right? Nobody teaches like this. But this is exactly why I've chosen the teachers I have. Okay? Because if we think like everybody else, we're gonna fight or defend or act like everybody else. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but the masses aren't all that smart. Right? Okay? Um, if we, I just, I, I think I shared a, a post on Facebook a couple of days ago that came across uh, mine and I went, oh, it's perfect, right? I can't remember who said it, but, What they said was, is if you read the same things that everybody else is reading, you're going to think the same things that everybody else is thinking. Well, how can you do that and be atypical? How can you do that and produce results that are better than what's average? Right? It's like everybody's trying to do what everybody else is doing, but they're trying to be better. How does that mean? I'm going to be average but better. I want to be like everybody else but better. I want to do the same thing everybody else is doing but better. To to operate better, and this is what this art has always been good at, to operate better, to produce results that are significantly better. We have to know things that the average person doesn't even know exists. Let alone is willing to go and study even if they do know it exists. Right? We have to, we have to do what 98% of the population won't do. And that includes the population of practitioners in this art. I know everybody wants to be a part of the mutual admiration society, but in, and I've, I've talked about this before, in every group we're in, We should always seek to start out as being the dumbest rock in the bunch. Because if we're the smartest guy in the room, we're not going to learn anything from that group. We're not, we can't grow. If we're doing the base average that everybody's doing, if we're doing the good enough everybody else is doing, we're not growing. The only way to grow is to get into groups and find teachers to where... (laughs) You're, you you feel lucky that they let you hang out, okay, because you're going to have to step up your game to be at least mediocre, to be at least like the rest of the group or most of the group, right? You're going to have to learn more. You're going to have to do what everybody in the other group that you just came from isn't willing to do, right? And then when you... Get to be the leader in this group, right just like you know i've i have I have my my groups in my school right but the reality is that I don't have any peers in my dojo. that doesn't mean I don't have any friends, but when it comes to proficiency and all that, right James, would you agree with this i I don't have any peers. so how do yeah. I keep training? I guess I could go and hang out with other guys that know the same stuff that I do. And then what we'll do is we'll trade little tricks here or there. Oh, have you tried doing it like this? Oh, that's cool. Okay, so, oh, so I'll give you one, right? I don't want little bits and pieces, right? I tell all my seniors, what what makes most people quit is that the big lessons turn into small lessons, and they're not entertained enough, but it's not... Just that, because that's natural, right? When you first learn something, all the lessons are big, right? They'll all end up being little lessons at the end, because you're learning these little tidbit kind of things. But the trick is to learn the little tidbit things, that that little thing affects 90% of what you do. So it's actually a leveraging kind of thing, right? And I don't want to learn one little extra little trick about... um, a pressure point or whatever. What I want to learn is one little trick that is being shown in, in a given technique that can be applied across 80 to 90% of my techniques and will make a huge quantum jump, a huge quantum difference. In my dojo, we have a system like this, right? Um, uh, I don't, I don't have a suggestion box in my dojo for my staff, Okay. I detest suggestion boxes. Okay. James is chuckling because he's already heard this, right? Most of the guys on my staff. No. No. Does that mean you can't bring suggestions to me? James, does that mean you can't bring suggestions to me?
1: No. You can.
0: You can. Absolutely, you can. Right. But you can't just write something down on a piece of paper and drop it in a box, right? Right. Because most people drop shit in a, in a suggestion box. Why? Not because they want the company to be improved or whatever. They just want everybody to be doing the shit the way they want to do it, not because they understand how that fits into other puzzle pieces. Okay? It's, I operate the same way, and I learned that that thing didn't come from any kind of business regimen. It came from translating the principles and concepts from our tied to into that. Right? So, I require that before somebody brings a suggestion to me, they've already, what, done some research and can explain to me how this new way will improve things. It will either improve productivity or whatever, right, or reduce expenses, time, whatever, right, waste, whatever, by at least 25%. Well, see, it'll make it a little bit better and we don't really know how much it'll be better, but you know, we, we should just try it. I already have a baseline for how this stuff here is operating. So I'm supposed to just randomly try something that I don't know if it's going to go that way or that way. I don't play the lottery either. Okay. Cause my chances of winning, the, the, the odds are stacked against me. Right. So, um, 25% that's a quantum jump, right? That's a, that's a, Big enough jump that will offset the time, effort, materials, planning, and everything else that will be – that that will be uh, – have to put – be put into making the change from one system to another. Right? So that, that's also why I don't jump around from this to some other martial art to some other martial art or whatever, right? I mean – What am I going to do? Stay a perpetual white belt my entire life? Well, no, you're getting right. That's impossible. The more I jump around, the more I'm staying in the big lessons, right? Which is why I sought out to find something that was like this to begin with. I don't have to make my own mixed martial art. I freaking found one, right? So, and then I'm, through exploration, right? This, this has relationship applications, business applications, work, friendship, all kinds of things, not just because it's about conflict resolution. Right? It's about success. It's about uh, you know, freedom and individual uh pursuits and, and those kind of things. That's needed to. Right? So anyway. Um and there's, there's lots of things that we could talk about with perceptual gaps. But what I really wanted to focus on with this thing is natural human brain wiring. You can't do anything about it. It's a natural limitation. When When we change from one state to another, there's a gap. There's a left brain perceptual gap. There's a natural gap between the time that... Whatever is in the world, whether it's vibrations that are going to rattle my eardrum and the mechanism there, or it's light going through the lens and hitting the retina, or it's something brushing up across the tactile nerves, whatever it is, right? There's a perceptual gap between that being stimulated, an electrical impulse going to the brain. Triggering a chemical response that triggers triggers another electrical storm that causes synaptic pathways. That, you get the idea, right? There's a natural gap. So, at least I'm only giving you two things tonight, right? Half the training needs to get that gap as small as possible. Knowing that I can't eliminate it. But, okay, I'm getting it small. I can't make it go away. So, what happens when shit's happening inside that little gap? The other half of the training I've got to make sure that I'm training in a certain way that wires muscle memory so that what comes out during that flinch response in that left brain perceptual gap is what I want to come out and will serve me so that when I come back in'm I'm, I'm good to go okay? So anyway, anybody else, anything else? I don't see that we, I mean, we've had a bunch of people come in and out, um, during the, during the show, but anything, is there anything you want to throw on top of this? Cause you've been around for a while. Sometimes the gaps can be quite large, huh?
1: (laughs) No, seriously.
0: Um, and again, you know, people come with all kinds of things from the past and all that. Um. One of the biggest things that causes a perceptual gap for folks that they don't even know is going on is the indecision that can occur because we've been trained in a Western academic system that rewards getting it right and punishes getting it wrong. When a huge part of the training process is get it wrong a whole bunch of times, right, to know why this thing is right. Cause you can get it right and still not know why it's right. Well, it's right cause like, you know, the teacher said so. Well, shit. Somebody can, anybody can tell you anything. Why is that right? Why does that, why is that the preferred method? Right? Fail a whole lot. Okay? And you know what? The other thing that will come out of all those failures is you'll realize that they were only failures in this instance. They're perfectly good options in completely different instances. But hey, anyway, well, um, anyway, there, uh, before I, I give it back to you, I have a student that, again, because of past trauma and all that, and because of this right-wrong kind of thing, um, well, and it's not just this student, there's other students as well, well, they lock up because they're trying to, you know, they're either trying to get it right and so they can't decide between X and Y, because they both seem to be right, but which one is the, which one is the official way? Which way is the right way? Which way is the ninja way? Which way? Whatever. You're going to get punched in the face. You're going to get killed, right? Other ones, um, it's not, they don't get locked up that way. They end up with a literal physical paralysis through, paralysis through analysis, right? They hit a point in the training or in the, in the little exercise that we're doing where it's one piece of information too much. And now the brain literally like stalls and they forget like even how to start. Right. anybody that's happened to me in the past that ever happened to you. I mean, I mean I had huge problems with it right after my traffic accident probably shouldn't have gone to Japan a couple of months after I had major brain damage and stuff. And like, you know my brain would literally just like stop, and I was not in Zen mode. I was in duh i like i couldn't I couldn't process right so but that that can happen, and then I have to like steer the student back to like, okay, look, let's go back to the first model, okay, just do it up to here, don't worry about that one. But then they go right back to a right and wrong kind of thing, but like everybody else is able to do that and and now I look bad because see now we're entering into a personal realm right there's all kinds of things that can cause these perceptual gaps. We're not even talking about those right what's what's the driver what's the what's the personal paradigm what's the belief system what's the see this is shit that that ninety eight percent of students I'm not even talking about ninety percent of the world right. 98% of students who think that they're serious, they don't want to go into these realms because it's too damn hard. It's too hard. I have certain students in a, in a, in a program at my school that I, I don't give a shit. I don't care if they like it or not. Okay? They have to get used to that part too. Right, James?
1: Nobody ever, nobody
0: ever said you had to like it. And if my teacher and his teacher and his teacher went through that kind of process, and they made me go through that kind of process, why the hell would why, why would any given student think that they could skate the process that produces the results that have been proven for centuries to produce the results that we're looking for? Oh, I know, because it's the 21st century, and they're smarter than everybody that came before them. I get it. I get the stupidity, but they're wrong. All right, anyway, what did you you have to throw on top of that?
1: I didn't have anything. A few comments came in, though. Um, Okay. Sensei Golem was watching and says, very large gaps. And it's easier to say all things are appropriate. It just depends on the situation that you are in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it just happened in class tonight. Uh, I've got this new guy, um, Fred, white belt. Um, and, uh, it's funny. We were, we were, uh, I, I don't know if anybody saw the, the post I put out on Facebook was, um, uh, what happens when the students have the minimum necessary to look at the next level of training and sensei's board. <laughs> what it means is they're now working on a first to second degree black belt technique, right? The way I would cover it with new black belts at that level, right? So, of course, there was all kinds of like sparks flying and, you know, whatever, right? And so we hit this little point where I, I show this little evasion on a follow-up attack, right? They do something, we do this thing, they recover or do this bailout kind of thing, right? We shift to avoid and we move in the certain direction. And two of the guys looked at each other and went, "That's what you were doing initially, right? And but it was wrong. That, yeah, but it was it was, and that's why I don't like to use the words wrong, right? Something is right or wrong, right? Ah, oh, I'm doing it wrong." No, as long as you're evading, are you evading the thing that's coming at you? Yes. Is he missing? Yes. Are you in a good position? You're on balance? Are- yes. Okay, so it's not wrong, right? That works. Yes. It's just not what we're working on right now. That's something else I inherited from teachers, right? Be careful with something being right or wrong, because something that's wrong and inappropriate in, in, in a given context could be the perfect answer somewhere else. But again, the Western education system tends to teach us right, wrong. And then from a child mind kind of perspective, we latch onto that. Or from a beginner's perspective, we latch onto this is right always. This is wrong always. Well, if that were true, morally and ethically, it's wrong. To punch somebody in the face. And yet, it's a huge part of our self-defense training. It's contextual, yes? It's not about something being ultimately right or ultimately wrong. It's contextual. Now, I'm not telling people to run out and do whatever the hell you want. Because you've decided that that thing is right. Right? So... It's about producing results, right? We're free to choose, but we're not free from the consequences of those choices, right? James, you look pensive. You must be reading something. So, what else? <laughs>
1: uh, somebody poke daunting. something
0: that made you uh made you look weird and uh, make that face. No. All right. James uh, <laughs> is <laughs> too nice Jen- to go. Well, that was fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I would probably do that, though.
1: (laughs) Jen said, I like this training for real world situations. I never wanted to compete. I want to learn something useful with multiple benefits. I love it. And she also says, "I, I hit duh quite often. I'm hoping eventually my brain will catch up and stop panicking. Yeah. Me too.
0: Where do I want to go with that? Um, does normal and natural. So my suggestion, and this is for everybody, right? And that this is this is one of those mentality things because we're working on um, uh, the, the mental aspects of the training during this upcoming spring camp. So hopefully, even if you can't make it in... Uh, my local guys, if you can't make it for the whole weekend, at least get in for a session or a day. James knows this, right? I mean, something's better than nothing. But even if you can't make it in physically, we're doing a virtual thing. This is important stuff, right? Yes, we're doing physical techniques and all that, but it's the mental stuff. And it's not limited to just, like, some killer coming at you, right? Um, here's that. Here's that. Dumb moment, brain locking up kind of thing, right? One of the first things that people need to put in as a trained response until it becomes the automatic response is as soon as your brain locks up, in, a, like you're, you're working with your partner, and I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's at the very beginning where they, they start to reach out to grab or punch, and you completely forgot what the freaking move is. Or... You're in there and you go to do your technique and you run into resistance and you feel that urge to crank harder or look for the teacher or whatever, right? That the first thing you do is disengage and back out and create distance so they have to start over and come back in again, right? The first automatic kind of thing that needs to be trained is to bail, right? Reset it to zero, right? Yeah, but, but I just reset the fight to zero. It's going to start all over again. That's better than being brain dead and getting your ass kicked right there on the spot. Okay. This came up in class earlier as well. Uh, you know, somebody's doing something, they're, they're doing a technique or whatever. They're working with their partner and then all of a sudden out of the corner of their eye, they see me looking at them. What usually happens, James? They freeze and look over at me with this questioning look like, did I do something wrong? Is this right? Something like that, right? And it happened tonight, and I looked over and I said, everything was going well until you did that. So when you looked at me with the question, um, did I do something wrong? Yeah. Now. <laughs> you took your attention off the guy that was trying to beat your brains in. I know it's your training partner. I know he's really not trying to kill you. But... The training that you're doing right now is not about your training partner and not about their intent. Your head needs to be where it needs to be in an actual situation. So whether you were making a mistake with the technique we were working on or not, as long as you're avoiding, as long as you're shifting, as long as you're parrying, as long as he's missing, everything's working. It may or may not be what we were working on, but it's working. The moment you disengage to look at me to check to see if it was right, now you're wrong. Now your head's in the wrong place. Okay, Because now you're worried about whether it's right or wrong. The moment you worry about right or wrong, the moment you worry about succeeding or failing, it's all over. It's all over. Okay? As long as you're breathing, you got a chance. Well, as long as you're not paralyzed. <laughs> you got a chance. <laughs> I laugh. That's funny. I mean it's it's just, you know, it's it's the balance we have to have. I mean otherwise, you imagine what these conversations would be like if I was so serious about you got it. killers coming at you, man. Do you not understand? Holy shit. I was taught this by Atsumi Sensei and and other master teachers along the way, right? You smile and you have a balanced, happy life because otherwise the stuff that we're delving into and the mentalities and things that we're looking at and the things that we're training to do to other human beings, holy shit, do you know what kind of monster that would create in us or some paranoid weakling in a corner just pissing themselves to a puddle? We have to have balance. This is all this is all mental state. But anyway, okay. So whenever those perceptual gaps happen, right, okay. immediately disengage. Just create some distance. Okay, just shift back into a by and or take a couple of steps back. Right, as you're telling your partner, wait, hold it, hold it, hold it. Okay, wait, I I need to think. But don't be trying to think about it in range. Okay. So it's okay. It's going to take time to learn, but you need to prioritize certain skill sets. Because we don't know when something's going to happen. I want my beginners from the very, very first class to learn how to get the hell out of the way of something. Or to move to a position of safety. I don't care what else you know. It's not about winning. You don't have to be able to beat him into the ground, contrary to the people with fantasies. You don't have to be able to beat them into the ground. What you have to do is not get beaten into the ground. One of the teachers I train with on a regular basis in Japan, right, uh, Soke Nagato, he always says in class, you don't have to win. Just don't lose. And one of the ways to not lose is as soon as your brain locks up and you don't know what to do, go to Kamai. Right. The longer you're in training, as soon as you go to Kumai, you will know what to do because you've been there before. Lots. Right? You probably don't know what to do because you don't have a reference point. Right? What else? Are people now opening up? Right. <laughs> Kick back on their couch. Opening up to sensei, the psychologist. No.
1: <laughs> anyway. Uh, sensei, go throughout. You should get hit a few times while doing techniques because it will become normal to get clipped and lessen the fear.
0: There you go. That's that's a good one, right? And that sounds so counterintuitive because the beginning student is terrified of getting hit because getting hit means doing it wrong or losing or dying or whatever right? you need to understand you need to understand that there's a huge difference between getting hit like contact being made right and being damaged and there's a huge difference between a hit that damages you to a very light degree like you know you you're gonna have a bruise right or you bit your tongue or whatever right? or something that maims you. Right? And then you can you're going to be able to prioritize. And I know how this sounds like well, Sensei, you don't understand because like you're just, you know, you're you and I was not always. Right? Did I talk about this in the in the last episode um like what, our our Japan trips and taking people to the uh the training spot where the dojo was that uh Dasuke Nishina trained when he was a young, well, younger than a lot of my students, right? He was a young student, right? Daisuke Nishina uh, is the acknowledged uh, founder of the Togakure school of Ninjutsu. Even though his grandson formulated the school, he brought all the information. Um, if you ever go on a Japan trip with me, um, more often than not, we are going to go to Togakushi, which is the modern name of the uh, Togakure region, where the this school's name came from, uh, northwest of Nagano. It's the site of one of the past Winter Olympics. Um, and we're going to go to these shrines, right, that are dedicated to this uh, myth of Togakure. Not myth, what's it called? Legend. Legend. Um, and right near the top shrine... Across this mountain stream, there's like a fallen tree bridge, no railings, right? Um, just a short little walk, a couple of steps, right, to go over to this clearing. It looks like nothing. The only thing that designates anything is this very small sign on a, on a post, right, that's just in Japanese. I'll take you over there, and I'm going to let you mill around for a little while. And then I'm going to let you know that way back in the day, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of years ago, Right? There was a dojo that stood on this spot. Mountain, uh, aesthetics, mountain priests still go there and do this, this ritual in that area because it's a, a designated power spot on the mountain. And, uh, th- this dojo, right, was where this young Daisuke Nishina, he changed his name after he inherited this stuff from this guy named Kanedoshi. Um, but he trained there when he was a student just like you. And I do that because I need to shake people out of the deluded thinking that those of us who are where we are or the past grandmasters or whatever just, like, fell out of the womb this way. It just ain't true. Right? I'm here to tell you that some of you guys are way farther ahead in the beginning of your training than I was. And if I can do it, you can do it. Right? So, um uh, while it may seem like there's this huge, here's another one, perceptual gap between where you think you are and where you think I am, right, it looks way, way different. Because the student always thinks the teacher is like, holy, shh barely see him. Meanwhile, from our perspective, when we're giving you a, a suggestion, it's like turning around and looking at somebody right behind me and saying, hey, watch out for that pothole. How's that for a perceptual gap to us? We're unless there's some kind of ego bullshit thing going on to us. We think we're just barely in front of you to the student who's with the right teacher. Oh, shit. The teacher is barely a dot on the horizon. How's that for a perceptual gap? That's some weird ass shit, isn't it? Hmm. Interesting. All right. What else?
1: Oh, that's everything right now.
0: Fantastic. Well, in that case, I'm going to wrap this up and get some dinner. (laughs) 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 My days start at 730 in the morning and most of them end. Well, I'm not done, right, because I'm going to spend a little bit of time with my wife before she goes to sleep because she gets up at 5 a.m. to go to work in the corporate structure. Um, <laughs> and I'll be going to sleep just before she gets up because I'm up until 2.33 o'clock in the morning, uh, working on my books or whatever it is that I'm doing, unless my body short circuits and my brain goes, and eh, now screw you. We're going to sleep. So anyway, um, and nothing else? Anything else yeah. you have, anything else you want to throw on the fire? personal experience with these perceptual gaps. Like you're a showdown, right? What would you say to somebody uh, who uh, mentioned something like Jen uh, Jen has where, you know, the dumb moments or the, uh, uh, what'd she say? There was something about uh, getting over the dumb moments and,
1: Shit. Hoping her anyway. brain will catch up and stop panicking.
0: Yeah, yeah there you go, right? Um, now this is gonna, this could sound pessimistic depending on his answer, right? Cause some people will, some people are willing to lay down and quit before they even get started because it's kind of like this kid that I know that wanted to be an astronaut right? Just oh, for years, I right? was just like read everything he could about being an astronaut, right? the Training and all that kind of stuff, right? And then one day it clicked because he started to look into like college and all that kind of stuff and what he would have to learn and military and Air Force. And this was before the Space Force and all that kind of stuff and everything. And then next time I bump into him and I'm like, hey, you know, so, uh, you know, what are you doing? You're doing that astronaut thing. And, Oh uh, no, I I I gave up on that. that. That's too much work. Oh well shit. Okay. That's what I want to say to some people that um either think that self defense is easy or that um it's too hard. You have no idea. If you've never been physically attacked by somebody absolutely out of their mind enraged and wanting to hurt you, you have no idea. Uh, but I can help you with that. Anyway, what were you going to say about the uh, the perceptual gaps and the dumb moments and all that? Do they ever go away?
1: They haven't for me.
0: They ju- they just change, right? It's just because you got to get your head wrapped around new lessons, right? You you get certain ones, right? right? So, are there ones that you had that are now not not necessarily a perceptual gap? Right. But are there dumb moments and those kind of things that you had that are long since gone? Yes. Are there ones that are taking their place? (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Are there ones that took their place that are easing up and becoming less of a problem?
1: Yes, there's some there.
0: Come to class again. Yeah. I'll help you remember.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, because it's a constant process, right? You, every, um, this is one of those things that, you know, like the guy that that I read that little thing about the Mikio articles and all that, right? When we talk about that stuff, one of those things is, uh, you know, the the I'll pull out a couple of cards here out of my wallet, but on these things. Let's see, let's find something that's easy. Okay. So when most people, I'm not going to show you my numbers. How about that? So let's do it this way. Okay, we'll pull one of these, right? Just because somebody gave me a gift card,
1: right?
0: Anyway, so when we're looking at the mandala, right? These these psychological maps and stuff from Armicchio, right? What people do is they see either like nine boxes, or they see the patterns, or whatever, right? They want to memorize that thing. Like if I memorize it, then then it's all good, right? Okay. What they don't get is, one, at one level, that, that's a map. It's like laying a map down on the ground and orienting it to north or whatever so that I can look at this and, and understand the layout of the land and then go out here and, and get things done, go from point A to point B, whatever, right? But the other thing they don't understand is that two-dimensional rendering That looks like that is actually that with a bunch of layers, and each layer is a different perspective. Our training's like that, too, because that's life, right? So we may understand this, right? We may understand whatever lesson's going on here. But then the lesson changes, we'll take that off pretty quickly here, right? The lesson changes, right? And we see a different picture. And so what happens with the dumb moments and certain intellectual-based gaps is we have to get our head wrapped around it. And the problem is occurring because we don't have enough experience about it, enough knowledge about it, or have done it enough, or the faculties that are needed to process it, haven't been exercised a lot, right? So it's kind of like uh, starting out doing puzzles, right? Crossword puzzles, uh, Sudoku, whatever, right? In the beginning, the processing is kind of slow. We make a bunch of mistakes or we guess wrong or whatever, right? But the more you do them, like next thing you know, you're just flying through them so that you bump up and grab puzzles that are the next difficulty level because... While I'm doing crossword puzzles, I'm simultaneously increasing my vocabulary, right? And I'm being able to process not just right answer, wrong answer, but right answer based on number of letters and, and interconnections. It's the same thing with Sudoku with numbers and all that, right? Um, when I first started doing Sudoku, my, my daughter loved them and I, I was coming out of that brain damage. She's like, dad, have you ever tried these? And like the connections were just, I mean, I got the rules, right? I got that. In any box, you can only have one digit, one to nine, across, one to nine, whatever, right? I get that. But I was having a heck of a time making the connections. But now, I look at it and that, that can only be here. I can now go multiple layers or levels over, carrying and going, oh, there's the blank. So I can do it not just with what number's missing, but I can look for all the number ones. And, see that one's missing over here and that kind of thing, and then move to twos and whatever, right? So, um, but sometimes it's just, you got to get your head wrapped around the lesson or the idea. And then when that happens, like, you know, this will happen in class, right, James? Somebody will go, ah, I get it, right? And then, you know, everybody stops and looks at him. And those of us who already got it often will look at him and go, Yeah, of course, right? And everybody else is still looking at them like crickets are going because they still don't get it yet. So that aha moment lasts for like, I don't know, a microsecond, and then you get back to training. But as soon as you get it, you can't not see it anymore, right? It's like looking at those little puzzles or those shapes, right? Your brain's just straining. It could be this. It could be this. It could be this. People will argue, right, right? I have, a, I have a black and white picture that I use for this kind of lesson in our Mikyo training. And it's actually a silhouette of a farm animal. Right? But I've shown this, this black and white picture to a bunch of different people. Uh, one person I showed it to was a retired Army Sergeant Major. And all he kept seeing were land masses from maps from give or take around World War II from his experience. OK, it could be this and it could be this and I'm seeing that and whatever. And then I point out that, no, it's a it's a black and white uh, silhouetted rendition of a photograph of a cow from this angle. And I'll point out this little piece and that. And like, you know, once you see it, you can never not see it again. Do you know what I mean? Right. But some people will look at that and like until he actually saw it, saw it. His He would argue that it's this thing that he decided that it was. And that can happen in our training as well. That can happen in anything that we're doing. Right? We decided something is something. Right? Whether it's this person or this situation or whatever. And then we'll go to our freaking grave. Beating people into the ground. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or whatever. Because... uh, You know, well, any moron knows that that's, that's what it is. And, you know, so, but part of it is just getting our head wrapped around the lesson. And then when that happens, right. But we need an expedient to get our head wrapped around the lesson. Because sometimes even like a whole technique in mod one, right. It's what, four or five moves, right. And we're, we're, we're still trying to get the moves. We're still trying to remember them. We're still trying to, you know, ah, which one is it, Right. We can, we can throw an expedient in. At the moment your brain locks up, bail to come in. Get that wired so that in a bad situation, I don't care if you're still a white belt or if you end up being a 10th degree black belt, when your brain locks up, you don't stay in range. You immediately bail. Right. Until you get those things wired in, they don't serve you. And knowing them intellectually, like when I say these things, or when I write an article or whatever, or I I post something online, oh, the number of people that go, duh, of course. I don't respond. Because it's easy intellectually to say, yeah, I know that. But when the shit hits the fan, do you act like you know that? Or do you need a day or three to re- be reminded or to go, uh shit. You know, if I didn't if I'd been thinking in the moment, I would have you know, twenty twenty hindsight. right? Conflict re- resolution doesn't allow for twenty twenty hindsight. And if we're not careful, life mastery, twenty twenty hindsight can cause damage that we can't undo. And then we've lost opportunities. Anyway. So, but the duh thing happens all the time, right? I mean, I go to Japan and I train with people that are as far beyond me as you think I am beyond you. And I pay good money, lots of good money, to have those same moments, Jen. Same moments. I do not drop that much money to go to Japan for the Grandmaster or anybody to tell me how much I know. Shit, I can stay home. And my students tell me how much I know. I'm going to put myself in a very, very low position with people who know way more than I do. And I'm going to struggle to understand the new lessons. otherwise I can't grow that way. And I'm certainly not going to rest on my laurels. Way too many people running around doing that. I get it. They're a fifth on, they're a first on, they're a tenth on, they're a daishi on, they're a whatever. I get it. We all get it. We can't not get it. They keep reminding us. <laughs> we can't, we can't not get it, right? But it's just a freaking title. And I personally, I don't think that I've done enough to warrant that. I know they promoted me to that. So they must have thought, eh, la 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 la. Okay. too many lessons I'm still trying to sort out that not there yet so I have the title but do I think I have the ability that I would ascribe to that no so anyway James anything else anybody else hopefully sense a goal better. I, I, I gave him a head boo boo <laughs> last week in class and uh still feeling kind of bad about that. Well, I mean, he it wasn't, one it wasn't it was delicious in. and it wasn't hard or anything. It was just one of those moments. It was just one of those, we've all had them,
1: right? Anyway, sorry. Anybody? He threw one, he threw one more thing in, actually, that too many people think that there are specific movements for working with tools or weapons when it is just getting your kamae and walking correct. Big perception gap.
0: I know you just said that, but I've got this furnace going behind me. I apologize. I'm going to try to, it's my, I don't know if my speaker's up as high as it'll go. How about if I bump yours? you say that again?
1: Sure. Too many people think that there are specific movements for working with tools, weapons, when it is just getting your on and walking Big perception gap. Yeah. Well,
0: we can't get to those higher level things if we don't have the, the, the the stuff that, and see, I keep calling them basic basics, Kihon no Kihon. But what they really are, people are things that people take for granted. Like, I I already have that. I, it's this thing right here. This is the mistake I keep making. This is the problem I'm having. This is the technique that, that, that I need to get. What they don't understand is that technique is built on these other things, and that technique can't be falling apart if all these things are right, right? You don't have a whole bunch of things that are correct and produce shit with it. So, absolutely, I, I agree, and and you know I, that's why the the thing there with with Shray Sensei years ago when I was in Toronto for a week. And 3 quarters of the week I didn't want to be in Toronto anymore because he kept focusing on my walking and it fucking hurt and, <laughs> and the last thing I needed to hear was this little Japanese guy going, "Jasan, good ninja walking idea, I think so."
1: You
0: know, but he's my teacher. He yes, sensei, "Yes, sensei, yes, yes, sensei. yes, Right? Nobody ever said I had to like it. I wanted to get it. So, even past ego going, "Oh, I got it. I got it. Apparently I don't because if I had it, he wouldn't keep reminding me that I needed to work on it. So, I mean, I had a choice, right? I could have just told my friend, screw you. You get him around. I'm going back home, right? And go back home with my delusion. But that's, that wasn't the goal. That wasn't the vision. So anyway, all right. One more if we got it. Otherwise, I'm,
1: I'm done. Uh, Sensei Golem just said his head boo boo is getting better. Oh, <laughs> he good. He stopped drooling. He will be back again next week. He stopped He's... drooling. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna stop his jokes right there because his jokes could turn this into an adult show way past where I want it to be. So it'll make my f bombs um, blush. So um, we'll let that go like that. All right, cool. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap this up. I will talk to everybody again next time. Uh, don't forget this Wednesday coming up at 3 p.m. Eastern. We've got our whiteboard Wednesday. Uh, this week I am covering consensuaza, uh, so joint locks. Uh, joint locks? Yeah, joint locks. All right. so uh, we're going to make them as easy as possible. That doesn't mean easy as pie, but we're going to take a look at some physiology and, and all that kind of stuff and, and what really makes them work. And again, mindset's going to come into it again because uh people are always focusing on the wrong thing. If you're focusing on what it looks like, you're not looking in the right place. Because if it is what it looks like, one, it's not needed to, but if it is what it looks like, then he's going to be paying attention to that too, and he can beat it. So... We'll have fun with it, right? So I'll be there with my whiteboard and I'll be drawing stuff and, and having a good time with it. But, uh, don't forget, uh, spring camp, right? May 13th, 14th, and 15th. Do I have that right? Yeah, 13th, 14th, and 15th. Um, there is, is there a page up for that?
1: James? It's on the
0: events page. Events page. So online ninja com forward slash events. So uh James put that stuff up there so you can register for that. Um there is a virtual option. Yes, virtual options. Yes? Yes. Uh and we'll just keep going with that. Uh and I do still do have a couple of spots uh remaining for the uh, uh our platinum inner circle uh distance training uh students, group, whatever, right? So uh if you want to chat about that, you can shoot me an email at warrior C at warrior-concepts-online.com. Um, and in the subject box, put call request. Tell me a little bit about yourself, what it is that you're looking at getting out of the training, what you've done training-wise and all that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, if we mesh at least on a first level that way and things work out, we'll set up a call. And uh, we'll get on the phone and chat. And whether it works out or not, um, I'm going to give you some tips and pointers for your next um yeah you know, moving things to the next line but uh we do have to have that little bit of a back and forth so i can make sure that i don't know somebody is just looking to get a whole bunch of free training and they're not or they whatever they just want to chat with me but they're not going to be um, the right kind of student for me anyway all right that's it um james anything else no sir nope all right fantastic all right guys i'll talk to everybody again next time be safe Train hard and have a fantastic week, or fake it. Get more of Kudan Radio. Subscribe to your favorite podcasting site, or subscribe at modernninjawarrior dot com.